Hey guys, Pastor Joe here. We are glad to have you with us this morning. It is worship day, and this is the one day of the week that I kind of know which day it is. I don't wake up saying, what's today? Um, um, so just know that we are glad to have you here with us today. Um, good things happening. We're still kind of in the midst of stuff, but listen to me. Listen, take a deep breath. It really is going to be, okay, I will bet that you actually have a great summer by the time we get to September. So let's just, let's just choose to believe that, okay? However that summer unfolds for you, let's choose to believe it's going to be a great one. But we're still going into it. And so uh, we're going to open up today. We're going to have three sermons in a series that we're going to call, What's It Gonna Take? And so um, as we jump into this, you know, maybe you've been somewhere where you've bought a car. You know, and you're haggling back and forth with the with the you know the salesman, and I, you know I, I like to walk in and say, hey, what's the price? Um, if that's the price, and, and I can buy it, I'll buy it. And if not, you know, I just want to scoot. I don't. I just I sweat. I don't want all this stuff. But sooner or later, sooner or later, even when I tell the sales guy that, this is what he says. So, what's it going to take to get you in that car? You know, and for me, I, I always say, so what's it going to take for you to get the price down where I can get in that car? Um, and so we go back and forth and back and forth. Um, but sometimes, you know, you have been in one of these situations in your life. You've just been in a situation where somebody says, hey, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? Or maybe you were just like, wow, I'm doing the math here. What is it going to take for us to get into a house? What's it going to take for us to, you know, whatever that might be, you have processed out um, your finances or your, your goals in life or, you know, maybe you're Dave Ramsey it and you're thinking, what's it going to take? We got to get rid of, you know, there's a place in your life where you begin to say, what's it going to take? The scripture that we're looking at today from Matthew 7 is one of those that grabs a hold of us and says, you ever thought, what's it going to take? That's what I want to share with you today. We're going to look at Jesus. He's uh, um, doing the Sermon on the Mount. That's uh, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. This is a, a, a scripture that I grab quite often to put on the mirror so that I can stand in front of it and say, Joe, what's it going to take? What's going on in your life and what is it going to take? Because I'm very hard on myself. Um, and, and listen, maybe you are too. But, but that's the passage. And so I, I want to encourage you in this. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is what we would call the core of Jesus's teachings. Okay, so as you continue to go through each of the renditions of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know that you can always go back to where Jesus went up on a mountain. He sat down with his disciples and he began to teach them saying, blessed are. And so we get through um, chapter five, chapter six, and we hit chapter seven. And in the course of that, he, he, wants to, he wants to say this. He wants to tell us to watch out for prophets. And we're at the place where maybe your Bible has it um, titled, and it says a tree and its fruit. And, and the bottom line is there's just a place for me. And again, this is one of those sermons I preach at me. When I look in the mirror and I'm saying, Watch out for his fruit, that guy in the mirror. Watch out for what's coming out of his mouth. Watch out for what's spilling out of his heart. That's where I start. And I just want to take you into this because Jesus talks about, you know, uh, bad fruit comes from good, uh, bad trees, good fruit comes from good trees, and back and forth and back and forth. But I love this right here. Okay, um, he gets to this place where, where he says in Matthew 20, uh, 7, 21, and he makes this statement. It's a statement that really caught me by the short hairs on the back of my head one time um, when I was sitting in my uh, church office in uh, Oklahoma. Um, and so just as what Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, 
Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And that word uh, prophesy, it includes the concept and the idea of preaching, preaching what God said, preaching what God's saying, and preaching what's coming because God said. And then it goes on to say, and in your name, didn't we drive out demons and perform many miracles? So they prophesied, huh? They performed miracles and they cast out demons. They went around doing this. And then Jesus says, and then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you uh, away from me, you evildoers. Now, that's kind of a harsh statement from Jesus. We kind of like to think that Jesus is all, you know, um, sunshine and roses, that he's all like, you know, super peaceful. Maybe you always hear him talking in an Australian accent or, you know, maybe that's on your Bible app or whatever it is. But, but we always tend to think of him that way. And here he's just kind of being cut and dried. And this is a place where I always um, spend some time. When the Lord brings it up in my readings, in my daily devotional, it's where I stop and I say, hey, what separates you from those guys that he's talking about? Joe Wood, you tell me as a pastor why he's not talking about you in Richmond, Kentucky right now. And, and it hurts. I'm not going to lie to you. It hurts. And so when you look at this, you know, you hear the question that's kind of obviously lingering in the air. And that is, well, then what's it going to take? If these guys are, are preaching the gospel, if they're prophesying in Jesus' name, if they're casting out demons in Jesus' name, and if they're accomplishing miracles, Jesus didn't say, no, you guys didn't do it right. He said, but look here, if we're doing those things, then what's it going to take? And Jesus says this at the beginning, but, but let's look at that. What's it going to take to get into the kingdom of heaven? What is it going to take? to come and follow me? What is it gonna to take to just believe with all of your heart? What is it gonna to take to have a mustard seed faith? What is it gonna take for you to be in that place? Even in the midst of everything we're going through, we don't have to throw rocks. You know what I mean? We're just at a place where man, we gotta put the rocks down or, or go on vacation and get away from it all. And that vacation can be just as simple as turning your computer off, okay? It really can. But we're at that place right now, and I'm just, I'm just at the place of saying, what's it going to take? And what Jesus talks about is it's going to take a relationship with God. Look, look at what he says here. Not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. Boom. There it is. It's a relationship, right? I don't... I, I, I got to do some baptisms. You saw those. Weren't those great? I mean, those are awesome. This, the, that's the second time I've been at a creek in 27 years. And it's like, why don't we just build a church next to the creek because, or put one through the church? Because that's awesome. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter if we said magic words. It doesn't matter if somebody put us in a tank, put us in the creek. Put, what matters is, am I about my father's will because of the transformation going inside of me, going on inside of me? And that was the challenge that I, I put out while we were at that baptism. You saw that but we're looking at that. And at the end of the day, what it comes down to is relationship. And as I was thinking about this topic and I was thinking about this relationship, my, my mind and my head went to a man named Abraham, okay? Now, he starts out as Abram. And I want to share this with you from Genesis chapter 12. It's just the story of Abram. And, and, and God pretty much says to Abram, hey, what's it going to take for you to do this, 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 and this? And that's the question for you and I today. Jesus is saying, this is the deal. And we're saying to Jesus, what's it going to take? And now I'm going to tell you a story about a man named Abram, okay? So we are in Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. I'm just going to read through verse 5. And it says, The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. So he's saying you got to leave. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that ever surrenders their life to Jesus has to leave. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's a place where what we used to say a couple years ago at the vineyard is you got to go all in. 
You got to say, I am going to do this. And then every time, every time you screw up, you're going to be standing in front of that mirror that I tell you I stand in front of so often. And you're going to hear the Holy Spirit say, hmm, what about that? And then you're going to say to yourself in the mirror, what's it going to take? God, what's it going to take? Thankfully, Paul, who I'm not going to get into, lets us know that he's just as human as you and I. But look at this. The Lord had said to Abraham, or Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name, your name, what's your name? What does your name mean? I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those that bless you and curse whoever curses you and all the peoples on, on the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham or Abram. So Abram left as the Lord had told him and Lot, his, his nephew, goes with him. Abraham or Abram was 75 years old. Do the math there. He's 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. And so that's the passage that we're looking at as much as we're looking at Jesus saying, who's gonna enter into the promised land? For you and I, that's who's gonna enter into the place that Jesus is preparing for us. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't wanna stay on this planet in this condition forever. I am so looking forward to God saying, I'm going to take this earth, I'm going to fold it up, I'm going to, put, I'm going to build a new heaven and a new earth. And, and so there's a hope. There's a hope because Jesus was raised from the dead that staying on the planet is not the goal so we don't have to live in fear. But check this out. This is Abram, 75 years of age. He went all in. That's half his life. He lived to be 150 years of age, okay? And at 75, he went half his life. So if we translate that in today's time, the average person's gonna live somewhere close to, let's just say, 80 years old. So imagine this. How many of you out there are 40 years old right now? Go ahead, raise your hand. Okay, yeah, right, you. Come on, you're a little... No, I'm kidding. I can't see you. I'm on the film here. Okay, so look, you're 40 years old. Can you imagine right now God stepping into your life and saying, listen, cash it all in, come follow me? Because what's it going to take for you to do that? At 40 years of age, what's it going to take for you to change your job? What's it going to take to change your state? What's it going to take for you to change your career? What's it going to take for you to go into full-time ministry? What's it going to take for you to pack up and move to Africa? At 40 years of age. Oh, Pastor Joe, I'm too old. I get it. But Abram was halfway through his life as well. And so there's a challenge there for us to say, am I all in? What's it going to take for Joe? I'm, listen, I'm saying it to me. What's it going to take for Joe Wood to understand that spending time in prayer, spending time in the Word, spending time tithing, going to visit the homeless guy and getting him dinner and sitting with him for a while, what's it going to take for me to have the heart of God that is going to move me from one location to another and allow God to do great things through me to bless other people, not just to bless me? And that's Abraham. Now, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but God gave him a slight variation of the name. His name's Abram, which means um, high father, okay? And Abraham means father of many or father of many nations. So a little tweak there, a little addition, and suddenly we go from high father to father of many. So, you know, he's got slaves, he's got people, he's got children, he's got stuff, he's getting ready to move, and so he's the father of them. Technically, this is the tribe Abraham himself is a nation, okay? He's not like millions of people yet. 
but he's considered a nation, a tribe. And so here he is. Now, I was listening to Scott Wright from the London Vineyard um, down in London. And just for fun, you know, um, after you're done listening to me, you, you probably ought to just go and listen. Not a bad speaker. Good guy. There it is, Scott. I gave you that, say that, what I did for you. Okay. But I love listening to him in the sermon that he was, he was saying. And he was saying that every time somebody said Abraham, Abraham's name, it was a reminder to Abraham of his identity. Every time somebody said Abraham, they literally could have been saying, hey, hey, father of many nations, come over here. It was a reminder for the next years when he didn't get the promise of God of a son to stay faithful. It was the promise that, dude, you don't know how it's going to happen, but God is going to make you a great nation. And God was using other people to affirm it simply by giving him a different name that people had to call him by. Father of many nations, could you come over here and give me a hand? Father of many nations, hey, could you pick up some bread when you're, I mean, think about that for a second. If all the time for 10, 15 years, all you hear over and over and over and over again is father of many nations, pretty soon you're gonna start buying it, aren't you? You're actually gonna start believing it even when it frustrates you. Well, I was thinking about that and I thought, huh, what about my name? It intrigued me. I remember when I was a, a new believer, I'd heard something, you know, Jesus sits Peter down and, and, and he's Simon at that point. He sits Simon down and he says, Simon, you know, what you said couldn't have come from anybody else. It came from God. And he says, you know, from now on, your name's going to be Peter or Petra, um, depending if you go Greek, Roman or um, um, Aramaic. And so, you know, you've got these, but they all mean the same thing. They all mean stone or rock. And so this is Peter. Peter, you're going to be the rock. And on this confession of faith, I'm going to build my church. I'm not going to scatter my church. I'm not going to have everybody living in different houses. I'm not going to have everybody out on the golf course just communing with me while they're hitting off the nine, uh, the, you know, the, the, the nine hole. It's like, no, I'm going to bring you together and I'm going to build my church on the rock, which is the foundation, the foundation of Peter. What about that? So I was thinking about my name. What's it mean? And I had an epiphany this week because I saw my life through a different lens. Never thought about it. I looked it up when I was a new believer in 1977, just for fun, because Chuck Swindoll was doing some sort of a message. But this is what it means. He shall add. That's literally Joseph. That's my name. Joseph means he, meaning God, shall add. And it's like, wow, what about that? So as I see that, that's a new filter for me. Instead of me being Joseph and that's my name, that's my name and it translates into Joseph. So from now on, I hear myself saying, and he shall add, come here, come here. And he shall add, are you gonna preach this Sunday? And he shall add, because I began to look at this. I joined God's mission, God didn't join my mission. And I knew that from the get-go. I did not accept him, I surrendered to him, I came to that, that understanding. So many people get that wrong. They think that God is going to follow them around now. But the point is, God is saying, come, just like you did with Abraham. What's it going to take? I want you to come with me, and I'm going to do amazing things through you, but you're not going to see these amazing things if you stay in Haran with your dad, Terah. It's not going to happen. He says, come with me, and I'm going to show you a land. And it ends up being wherever he gets to put his foot that he's going to do this. And so, um, so we have this picture, um, this thing's going on. And so um, we join God. 
For me, for me, Psalm 40 is my scripture. If, if, if you've attended the vineyard long enough, sooner or later, you're going to hear me say this. You know, I, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He put my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand that many would see and fear. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God, that many would see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And now, after I'm reading this, I'm listening to Scott down in London. I'm thinking, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I had no desire to be a preacher when I got saved. Man, I wanted, excuse me, I wanted to water ski every day, but I had to work. I wanted to get a, a ski ray, you know, a sea ray ski boat. I wanted to teach at church. I wanted to be adult Sunday school teacher, but I didn't want to be the guy. I wasn't interested. Yeah, I, I help out with youth a little bit, do this. And then God said, hey, he shall add, come with me. I need you. And I was like, wow. And then back in 2002, I was in my office and the Lord spoke to me out of Isaiah 49. My wife put a compilation together for me. And so this is on my wall here. I got it for Christmas. Isaiah says this, the servant of the Lord, listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name, my name. My name is important. Jesus' name was important. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the hand of the Lord, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to himself and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and God has been my strength. And he says, and this is the one that grabbed the hold of my heart in western Oklahoma, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel that I've kept for myself. But I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And this is what the Lord says, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nations, to the servant of rulers, kings will see you and stand up, princes will see you and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. There it is again, bam. He shall add, I will make you a light for the Gentiles. I will put the heart of an evangelist inside of you. I will give you a passion to see people surrender their lives and get baptized. I will give you a hunger to grow my church that's insatiable even when you wanna quit. You can't because you understood what it's gonna take. That's what I hear God saying to me. I figured it out. I know what it's gonna take. It's about the relationship. It's not about jumping through the hoops. It's not about checking off the blocks. Am I in a small group? Am I serving? Those are natural expressions of God inside of us. Baptism is the next step when we surrender our life to Jesus. We shouldn't be afraid or be saying, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to. The two guys on the cross, they didn't get baptized. <laughs> I heard one preacher say, it rained that day. Clouds came up, got dark, and baptized them right there on the cross. <laughs> it's like, I don't know that. But I do know there comes a time, like the prodigal son when he's out feeding the pigs, 
And the scripture says in the book of Luke, he came to his senses. Where we begin to understand it's not about me. It really is about following God into the promised land. It did not take anything for God to say, I want you to move to Kentucky. And there are people in my life saying, what the heck are you doing? What's in Kentucky? And I simply said, I don't know. But I know God wants me to go there. And so I'm going to go. And he continues to fill, fulfill this in my life. How have I missed the connection all of my life between my name and God's call on my life? And now I am so rigid about staying in that lane that sometimes it's just a little too difficult for me. I'm not saying staying in that lane is always what God wants me to do. I'm just saying I stay there because I want to be in Canaan. I want to be there. So we're looking at this. And I began to say, what's it going to take for you to get it? This, what's it going to take for this to make eternal sense to you? And I think Jesus has to be our example. I'm going to go to Hebrews 10. Okay? Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. And then I said, here I am. Ready? Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, oh my God. There it is. Real quick, Jesus is a guy that knows who he is. Oh yeah, of course he is, Pastor Joe. He's God. He got off the throne. He came down here. I understand. But even the night before he was crucified, he didn't want to do it. He was asking his father. He wasn't complaining. He wasn't whining. He was just saying, is there another way. He could see the cross in front of him, but he saw you on the other side. He saw me on the other side, and he said, I'm all in, but if there's another way to be all in, I'm, I'm, I'm for that. And God said, no, you're all in for this. And so, so Jesus is a guy that knows who he is. He says, it is written about me in the scroll. If he, if he forgets, all he's got to do is open it up, just like me. If I forget, all I've got to do is go to Isaiah 49. All I've got to do is back up to um, Psalm 40. And say, remember, Joe, your name is Joseph. It's why you were put here. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, I became a, a member of the family of God. And so I must be about my father's business. That's what Jesus said to his mom and dad. Jesus said he came to set the oppressed free, the captive free, heal the sick, um, give sight to the blind, and make the cripple walk. That's what we're supposed to be about. When was the last time you prayed for anybody that wasn't in your household? When was the last time you heard God say, go over there and help that man? Jesus knew who he was. And because Jesus knew who he was, Jesus is a guy that knows why he is. I know who I am. I'm Joe Wood. I'm the son of Carol Wood and Earlene Wood. I'm the brother of Robin and Larry and Rhonda and Beth. I am one messed up, broken, hurting. You just wouldn't believe it all. It's crazy guy. And Jesus saved me. I know who I am. Now I'm a child of God, knit together in my mother's womb. But Jesus was a guy that knew why he is. I have come to do your will, my God. He knew what he was here for. Sure, he got to go to the party. He got to go to the wedding. He got to go to the Pharisee's house. He got to do this. But no matter where he went, he stayed on track. He had fun. He laughed. I think Peter said, here, walk on the puddle, walk on the puddle, walk on the puddle. Do it again, do it again, do it again. They saw things, man. They saw things. 
But Jesus knew why he was here. No matter where he was, he stayed on track. He didn't get sidetracked by the guys heading off to who knows where. He didn't get uh, sidetracked by the guys drinking who knows what. He went with them, but he didn't always participate to the degree that the world does because he knew why he was here. He was there at the Pharisee's house to be an example at the party. He was at the wedding to show people that there is hope in the little things, the little things. Only the servants and his disciples knew the miracle. And we have no reason to believe until he died and was raised from the dead and the disciples started writing things. He did it for the common person, not for the people that were important at the wedding. See, you and me, what's it going to take? Listen to me, what's it going to take for you to know why you're here and to start living it out? God has been clear and specific in my relationship to preaching and planting a church. I know who I am. I came to do his will. It's a daily relationship that I need to be in. So that's why Jesus said not everybody who says Lord, Lord, because he was trying to help us understand, I need you in a relationship. He wasn't saying, get away from me, I don't want you. He was saying, I'm, I've been trying to build a relationship with you. That's the why. I wanna be in a relationship with you. Come, follow me. Not, hey, I'll be back next week. I'll preach a new sermon. Come follow me. We're going to pray for people. We're going to do things you never dreamed of. I'm going to make you fishers of men. That's why Jesus said to the rich young man, sell everything you've got, give to the poor, and come and follow me. Because he, he, didn't, want him to, he didn't want him poor. He just didn't want him depending on this world and the wealth of this world. He wanted him to have a heart for people that was bigger than his heart for his 401k or his income or his company growing. That's what he wanted. My father called me to come follow him and do his will. And he's calling you. He is. What's it gonna take? Last thing, Jesus is a guy that knows where he is. And this is one that I think messes a lot of us up. Not to be mean, not to be nasty, but it messes us up. Do you know where you are? Yeah, we live in a world that, you know, when we sit down, we're not always aware of what's going on around us. You know, something can happen over there right next to us and it gets us, and then we're like, oh, we missed it. Because we're not aware of our surroundings. Jesus was constantly aware of his surroundings. When he says, when he says, um, here I am, what he's not, he's not saying, Lord, I lost myself, but I found myself. What he's saying is here, here, Lord, here I am, pick me, send me to earth. I'm here, I know, I'm listening, I'm paying attention, I'm on board with you, Father. Maybe I'm not gonna like it when we get down to the wire, but I know this right here. I know where I am, I'm in heaven. I'm seated next to you, we're having a conversation. I am in the conversation, I am present. It's kind of like Psalm 139. If I go to heaven, God is there. If I go to the lowest hell, God is there. If I go to the far side of the sea, God is there. If I go to the highest mountain, God is there. If I go to the, lo the lowest valley, surely and most certainly God is there. Jesus knew where he was. And that where, even when you're in your darkest room and you think nobody sees you, or you feel lonely and you think nobody sees you, Jesus knew where he was. Here I am in your presence. God didn't forsake him. On that cross, we have that one little bit. But when Jesus was nervous, when people were after him, when people were throwing rocks at him, when people wanted to do all kinds of things or threatening to throw rocks, when they wanted to do all kinds of things, he's just like, nah, 
no, when they took him up on top of the hill and was gonna, gonna throw him off, he just walked out from between them because he knew where he was. He was in the presence of his dad. He was in the presence of our God. Staying on the planet, not the goal of Christianity. You can't separate your identity based on your location. On Sunday, I am wicked passionate. On Monday, much to the chagrin of the people that I have to apologize to, I am still wicked passionate. I am, but I'm not perfect. But I know what it's gonna take. Daily, daily, spending time with Jesus. What's it gonna take for you? Can you hear God giving you a name? Can you hear God saying, hey, I've called you this because you're a blossoming flower. You're, you're worth more than gold, what that might be. When your identity is location specific, you become an emotional and spiritual schizophrenic because you never know who you have to be. But if you be consistently who you are, chasing after you, I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm just saying if Peter is a consistent Peter, then everybody knows what to expect of Peter. And I want to encourage you that God wants you to be you, but he wants you to ask yourself the question, what's it going to take? See, the Lord is waiting on you. I believe the Lord is waiting on you right now as you watch this. You may have done all kinds of spiritually religious things, but what I want to know is, are you walking with God? Does your life convict you that you're walking with God? Or is there a place there where we need to begin to say, Lord, man, I'm getting distracted. Or, God, I've never come to you and asked your forgiveness for the way I've lived my life. I wanna live it your way. I need to get back on track. I need to come and be with you and then let God lead you into Canaan. Abraham was a man that knew. He was the father of many nations. Joe Wood got a hold of this week and God shall add. And I'm not gonna let go of it because I know what it's gonna take. Perseverance. Today, our message is Interact or, or inject yourself into a relationship with God. Interact with God on a regular basis and persevere in Jesus' teaching. God loves you. Let's pray. Father, who is God in heaven, as we come before you, we thank you for this message. We thank you for this word. We thank you for this blessing. We thank you for this Ebenezer. We thank you for this stake in the ground. We thank you for this, this uh, border of Canaan. We come to you, God, and we ask you to do great and mighty things. God, I already believe that you are. Who knows what it's going to be as this thing unfolds. But please, God, help me stop whining about it. Help me to remember what it's going to take for me to wake up all in. I just ask and pray that you would reach out into our audience, God. Put your arms around them and let them hear you say, come, follow me, and I will make you, and then whatever that's going to be. Let them hear you today, God. We thank you for this in Jesus' blessed and holy name. Listen, if you've been through some things and if this is stirring up some emotion inside of you, I just want you to know that you can bounce over to uh, vineyardrichmond.com. It's our website. There are people there, lower left-hand or lower right-hand corner, little green button that says chat. Click that button. You're probably not going to hear a voice. You're going to get, hey, how are you? They're not going to know who you are. Um, you're not going to know who they are, but they want to pray with you. Whatever it is that you're going through, live time, they want to pray with you. You know why? Because we're about people. And he shall add. That's what I'm hanging on to. What's it going to take? 
for you to click that button, surrender your life to Jesus, and get baptized. Give it some thought. We're looking forward to this whole thing ending. We're not there yet. If you're wondering, I promise I will keep it in front of you. I just don't want it to be so far in front of you that, that you forget what's going on. And I want to see what's going to unfold. So um, that's the only reason I'm not making great big statements and, and setting up videos on, on Facebook or social media. Hang in there with us. God is doing great things just like those baptisms. God bless you and go in peace.